Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am David Gasper. There is no Matt Carroll this week. Unfortunately, he is uh, stuck at work uh, and isn't going to be able to make it uh, to this week's episode. But I won't be alone on this week's podcast. Um, and we're going to have our special MLB draft, uh, Brewers draft review episode uh, this week on the Cold Brew Pod. And joining me uh, for this Brewers draft review is the founder of Baseball Prospect Journal and MLB draft expert, Dan Zielinski III. Dan, thanks so much, man, for, for coming on the show and, and, and talking to me here today. Yeah, of course. It's always fun to talk draft, especially when we're talking about the Brewers and their picks. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a big draft, and you've had a, a ton of stuff um, over there at a at Baseball Prospect Journal, and uh, so many interviews with uh, uh, a lot of the draft picks, and just you know a lot of a lot of really great stuff that you've been putting up over there. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always fun to do, fun to cover these draft prospects. It when I first started doing it, it was kind of uh, not a lot of guys were covering the draft, writing about the draft, but it's grown and uh, interviewed 103 of the top guys this year. So that was Ooh. to uh, talk to those guys and see where they end up going then come draft day. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. 103. Do, do you just like reach out to them on Twitter or something? Be like, hey, you want, you want to you know talk some baseball or? Yeah, there's, a, I mean, that's one avenue that's kind of the, one of the last ditch efforts, but otherwise it's usually through their advisor or, um talk going through the college that they attend so there's a few different avenues but yeah definitely did a lot this year i think i did did just over 60 last year so definitely took a step up but um like i said always enjoy doing it always fun kind of picking these guys brains yeah for sure and and, um as you mentioned there the draft coverage has really just kind of grown um, in recent years, which is great because, like, I love the draft. You know, I really kind of started getting into it more a couple of years ago um, and just kind of, you know, watching it go and just kind of getting more and more invested um, each year. And, I mean, last year, there was nothing else going on. You know, the, the draft was the only baseball thing that we had at that point. So it was just kind of, you know, all eyes on that. But this year they changed it up and they put it at the All-Star break uh, instead of in early June, which is when it traditionally has been. Uh, but in 2020, they were originally planning like, oh, we'll have it like mid-June, um, have it to like, kick off the College World Series. What were your thoughts on it? Do, do you like it at the All-Star break? Would you rather have it to kick off the College World Series or would you rather have it go back to early June? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I really like the idea of having it at the College World Series. I thought that was a perfect kind of place for it, help build kind of more attention around the college world series and also the draft. But I think in terms of eyes on the draft, the all-star weekend is probably the best spot for it. Um, It was overshadowed obviously with a little bit by the all-star game and that, and also as well as NBA playoffs, at least, especially here in Milwaukee. Yeah. um, Yeah. I, I think it's probably best suited around the all-star break just because of the amount of tension it can get. And I think, once with this new collective bargaining agreement, there's definitely going to be changes probably with the draft, I would assume. Maybe draft pick trading, we'll see. But oh, I, think ways, I, I think there's some ways baseball can continue to kind of grow the draft and the interest in it. So probably having it at the All-Star break probably makes the most amount of sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I mean, for me, it seemed a little bit too busy. I mean, you, you got, you know, the final games going up there on, on Sunday. You got the Futures game going at the same time. Then you got the draft that night. 
Then you got, you know, the next 10 rounds of the drafts, you know, on Monday, right before the home run derby. Then you got the home run derby. Then you got the final 10 rounds. And then you got the all-star game. It just it just seemed like they were packing so much in there. But, I mean, I, I really like what they did for, for round one there. Uh, having, you know, Rob Manford come out there, having a crowd, having Rob Manford booed. It is always, always great to hear that. Um, and, and it's it's about time he gets some gets some of the the Roger Goodell experience, you know, like like it's not fair that he gets to avoid all that ridicule. Yeah, I mean, my mind rightfully deserved, but that's a whole nother time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we could go on this for a whole hour if we wanted to. <laughs> I mean, that would be my one kind of complaint with it was it did feel like it was kind of jammed in there. So I don't know if you put it. The day after the All-Star game, I don't know how you can necessarily balance everything they already have going on with the draft. I'm sure there's a way, and that might be just something they need to kind of figure out and tweak here over the next couple of years. Yeah, you know, I think it's a, a good idea. And it's like, oh, and, and as Manfred kind of stated, it's like, you know, as we celebrate our All-Stars, here's our All-Stars of tomorrow and, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, I, th- I think, you know, th- there's a way to make it work there. But, yeah, it, it's just kind of trying to tweak it a, a little bit more. And, and it's good. It's like, you know, you don't have to see, oh, this guy got drafted, but he's still playing for his college team. And it's like, well, what if he gets hurt? Then what? And then you just kind of have uh, concerns there. Yeah, that's always an awkward situation for, especially the colleges and universities who are still playing in the College World Series. Coaches kind of, they know they know how to use the guys, but they're kind of always concerned. Maybe leaving a pitcher out there an extra inning. Players would rather not play, even though they want to win a title. They're kind of worried, knowing they have maybe four million dollars sitting there mm-hmm. for them. So yeah, it just makes more sense with having it a little bit later. It'll be interesting to see what baseball does, but I think I think they're on to something with it at the All Star Game, and it definitely needs some tweaking, like I mentioned. But I think they're on to something here, and I think it could be really a big deal if they continue to market it and do it the right way. Yeah, and and it certainly helped like having the College World Series for for some of these guys to boost their draft status. I mean, the the guy who probably boosted it the most, Will Bednar, a Mississippi State of the champion Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, he dominated in the College World Series, and he had gone from a guy who was probably a comp A, early round two type guy to the 14th overall pick, and the guy I really desperately wanted to be there at 15, but he wasn't, and the Giants took him, and I was very upset at that. But, um, you know, it, it helps boost those guys a little bit in, in terms of their draft stock, too. Right, and yeah, Will Bednar was uh, tremendous leading up to the college world series and frankly i mean you could make a case that maybe if kumar rocker would have pitched well in the college world series Mm -hmm. he could be solidified himself as a top five pick but either way yeah it's definitely it can definitely be a benefit and a negative for these guys and also some people might not know the major league baseball had the uh, draft league this year which allowed some kind of the under the radar Mm -hmm. guys to uh get some playing time and then um they also had the draft combine as well, which some guys really did well at that. I know Alex Benellis, a Brewers pick in the third round, Oak Creek native. He did well at the draft combine, and that definitely helped his draft stock too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll be getting to uh, Alex Benellis uh, a little bit later here in the in the podcast. But I want to I want to kind of start here, uh, just, just kind of going back into the first round. Uh, it was it was pretty wild. We had heard that it might be a little wild. Um, 
we didn't know that it would start with the first pick. Instead of going with Marcelo Meyer, who most in the industry expected to go number one overall, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the lovely NL Central Pittsburgh Pirates, decided to go with Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville. And, you know, it's not that, that that's a bad pick. I mean, that, that's the best college bat in the class. Um, but it just really kind of kicked off a, a whole bunch of uh, interesting selections with Marcella Meyer dropping a little bit, uh, a high school lefty jumping all the way up to seventh overall. Uh, it was just kind of a, a wild first round, Dan. Yeah, I mean, going into the draft, we, like about a month before, you knew there was probably five to eight guys who were still in the mix for potentially that number one overall pick. But it seemed like as we got closer to draft night, that it was really down to maybe three, four guys. And Henry Davis ended up being the pick. It kind of, I don't want to say it caught me off guard because he definitely was in the mix from early on in this process. But um, again, like you said, Marcelo Mayer was in the mix. Jordan Lawler, the prep shortstop out of Texas. I thought one of those two guys would be more likely to go 1-1. But the Pirates, I like what they did overall. They got Davis and then in their next three picks really kind of stacked up and took guys who were either considered first-round talents or definitely second-round talents um, overall. So I think the Pirates ended up having probably the best draft overall. So I really like what they did with their signing bonus pool allotment and how they were able to manage that situation. Yeah, they, they ended up with a really kind of solid draft class. I mean, a lot of prepsters there in the next few rounds. A lot of guys who are expected to be first-round picks. So, I mean, if you end up with four first-round picks, that's that's really not uh, a bad draft at all. Uh, but it ended up, you know, kind of shuffling the board a little bit more than expected. And some guys that were perhaps expected to be gone ended up being there on the board for the Brewers uh, at 15. And a couple of those guys... Uh, were Khalil Watson, the high school shortstop, and Sal Freelich, uh, the college outfielder from Boston College, uh, as well as a whole bunch of college arms. Uh, but the Brewers ended up going with Sal Freelich. Uh, Dan, what are the Brewers getting uh, with Sal Freelich? Yeah, I really like the pick of Sal Freelich. I know when the Brewers first announced his name, that kind of some people weren't blown away by him and just thought there might have been some higher upside guys with Khalil, even Ty Madden, I thought would have been a really nice pick for the Brewers there, the pitcher out of Texas. But self Freelick is a quality player. He's a guy who's 5'9", 175 pounds, left-handed hitter, um, top of the order bat, a guy who is just going to consistently barrel up pitches. He's not going to hit for a lot of power, but he does have some power in him. And a guy also who has just great plate discipline, doesn't strike out a ton. And I think it's an added bonus that he is an up the middle player. I know the Brewers have really focused on guys who can play an up the middle position early on in their recent drafts. And Freelich definitely fits that mold. He's a guy who mostly played outfield at Boston college, but also did gain some more experience at the collegiate level, whether that was in practice, fall ball or summer ball, uh, playing in the dirt, playing at second base, getting a little time at shortstop. And he is a former high school shortstop as well. So I know talking to some some scouts, they thought maybe he'd be better suited at second base in pro ball. But I know from talking to some people in the Brewers organization, they think he's best suited in center field. And we're really happy with the pick. I know a couple of scouts call, said to me about Freelick, they, they said he has great makeup, uh, with one scout describing him as a gamer who's a great clubhouse guy and has – exciting tools in all facets of the game so 
even though maybe he's not the kind of sexy pick there, the major upside, I think self really definitely kind of fits the Brewers mold and they're getting a quality player who hopefully will move through their system quickly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Freelick's a guy that, I mean, he was he was definitely part of that second tier of college bats uh, with, with Colton Kowser and Matt McClain. Uh, McClain was also on the board at the time. Uh, but Freelick was a guy that kind of, I, I saw like most mock drafts, had Freelick gone, had, had him off the board by the time the Brewers were picking. So I hadn't seen any that, that had connected him to the Brewers. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, like it's not like a complete, like out of nowhere, like this guy doesn't deserve to be picked this high selection. Like perhaps Frank Mazzucato going to uh, the the Royals at seventh overall, but I mean it, it, it's a good one. But I, I think I know for me, like my initial reaction was not as positive. Um, and I think I kind of fell more into the trap of you know I'm looking at guys like okay, which ones do I love and which ones would I pick? And I have a list of like five guys that are all available and they end up taking the one guy who wasn't on the list. And you're just kind of like, seriously, but yeah, that that's just kind of uh, my thing. But, but when you look at free, like, yeah, as, as you mentioned, like not like sexy, but top of the order bats, a polished bat uh, and can play up the middle. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of in that same boat with you. I thought, I didn't think they'd go Khalil Watson because there was definitely a reason he was falling. And I didn't think the Brewers that team that met his signing bonus demand. And I thought Ty Madden would be an intriguing option, especially with the way the Brewers have developed pitchers. And Ty Madden easily could be the best pitcher in this draft class. But getting back to Freelick, again, just a polished guy like you mentioned. I mean, the Brewers definitely, if you look at their recent first-round picks, they go guys who have maybe a little bit of higher floor and not necessarily that incredible potential with a lot of risk. They go more guys, high floor, still a lot of potential, but not boomer bust type player and someone who's performed against high level pitching or talent in general and really fits that mold. And I think um, definitely could have a role on the Brewers team at the major league level by, I would think 2024 never know with how these guys develop. But uh, Freelick is a guy who definitely kind of fits the Brewers mold. And I think they were, they were excited was still on the board when they picked. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know that there was, um, you know, some looks and I mean, when it comes to Watson, like that was a guy that I don't think anyone was expecting to be there at that point. It's like, you know, Hey, could they grab him? Um, Cause I mean, in, back in 2018, when they took Bryce Terang, I mean, that was a guy that was expected to be a top five, top 10 pick fell all the way down to 21 and despite whatever signing bonus concerns, they still took him. So it's like, okay, you know, if you if you take Watson there, you know, it's understandable. Um, but yeah, with the signing bonus at that point, they'd have to go probably well over slot in order to sign him. And instead of you know trying to play you know the slot stuff and then having to go severe under slot on some other picks, uh, this way they can kind of put themselves in a in a pretty good spot. And you know. Like, like you said, they, they go with the mold of the, you know, polished college hitter. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to argue with it. But, you know, when we, when you look 10 years down the road, we'll see who ends up, you know, being the right choice. Right. I mean, you can make the case Corey Ray was that polished college hitter. Even yeah. Was at least at least that polished college hitter. He wasn't anything defensively, but. Corey Ray obviously hasn't panned out. I think he what, has played one game in the major leagues. Yeah. Uh, 
Kesson Hira is struggling. He's still young. Who knows what will happen there? But again, the Brewers, yeah, I, the Brewers, I don't want to say don't like to take major risks, but they really don't, especially early on in the draft. They do like that kind of higher floor type player, and they've stuck to that mold, whether it's with Stearns or even when it was Doug Melvin as a GM, and they had a different scouting director in there at that time. So, um, yeah, it, the Brewers, they prefer college guys, and we're going to get into that because they took 11 college players in the first 10 rounds. But, yeah, they definitely have a model, and they like to stick to it regardless of kind of what happens on the draft board unless something substantially changes with a guy falling into their lap. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that's what happened um, with Terang in 2018. Um, and, you know, when it came to here, I mean, just, just kind of sticking to their board. Uh, and then it goes to um, their comp A selection, another polished college bat and Tyler Black. I was thinking Ty Madden could get there to 33, but the Detroit Tigers just jumped right in there at 32. I'm like, man, if you could get Freelich and then also get Ty Madden at 33, I'd be incredibly happy. Um, but they ended up going with Tyler Black, who I'm also happy with. I mean, looking at him, that's a, another advanced, polished college bat. Bit of a smaller school at Wright State. But he's someone who, uh, he plays second base. He can also play third, um, but he had sh- he had shoulder surgery. Um, but is, uh, is Tyler Black someone that you think could be a third baseman going forward? Yeah, I mean... First with Tyler Black, he was a guy getting first round buzz. I know there was even a little bit of talk that the Brewers could even take him 15th overall as an underslot mm-hmm. candidate, get someone uh, who falls on the board with their comp A pick. But they ended up getting a quality player there uh, in the comp A round. And Tyler Black might be my favorite pick. To answer your question, I think he can play third base. I think he has enough athleticism and arm strength to handle the position. But I think. He's more of an offensive-minded player to begin with, and so I would just keep him at second base. Let him be that offensive-minded second baseman. He can more than handle second base. He'll do a great job at it. So I feel like keep him at second base where he's played mostly throughout his college career and just let the guy hit and see what happens from there. Yeah, another uh, really good hitter. But then someone who... Uh, can play third base. Alex Benellis, a local kid, played third base, also played some first base at Louisville. Uh, There's been screams for quite a few years now for the Brewers to get corner infielders, some of them coming from me, um, because, you know, you have all that focus on up-the-middle talent, you know, catchers, shortstops, center fielders, and that's great, and it makes sense, but the Brewers have pretty much no corner infielders in their system. I mean, they've converted Kesson Hira over to one. They have pretty much no prospects um, at first base or third base. They haven't really drafted any in recent years. But Benellis is kind of your traditional corner infield guy, big power, power overhead type player. Um, and, and this, I think, might have been my personal favorite pick. Um, just, just kind of as a talent-wise. I mean, coming into the year, he was a potential top 15 guy. Um, and then... Um, him kind of falling down in the third round, and he's a local guy. I mean, that's just going to make him uh, look to play so much better, in my opinion. No, I totally agree. And after their first two picks, I thought they did a great job with uh, Freelich and Black. And then they took Russell Smith, the left-handed pitcher out of TCU, which kind of was a head-scratcher. But then 
following that up with Alex Vanellis, like you said, a local guy from Oak Creek and was a t- potentially coming into the year considered maybe the best college bat, second best college bat. Either way, was in the mix to be a top 15 pick before the season started, but struggled early on. And the biggest question with him is just what kind of hitter are you getting? Are you getting a guy who's all power and nothing else? Or are you going to get a guy who at times showed – at Louisville, that he was a tremendous hitter, used all fields, hit the ball in the gap, didn't strike out a ton. Um, so it's just a matter of what kind of player you're getting, but definitely a bad first player. And he definitely has a chance to be kind of a home run get in the third round for the Brewers. Yeah, and he's someone that, um, I mean, he can play either either corner spot. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, really showed out well at the MLB Draft Combine. Uh, had a really great uh, few rounds of BP. Uh, showed that he could handle third base, uh, which is really going to be important for him going forward. Um, and, you know, something just kind of a, a little bit of a comp that I see. You, let me know if I'm off base on this. But he reminds me a little bit of Travis Shaw. Big power, maybe not a super, you know, gifted rangy defender, but he can gobble up what comes to him, make the throw, um, over to first, maybe not as great of a throwing arm as Travis Shaw, but plenty of power from the left side. And, you know, perhaps he can spray the ball to all fields, hit in the gaps, hit for a decent average. Perhaps he could hit for a relatively low average, but still provide that kind of pop. What do you think of that comp? Yeah, I think what you said there is spot on. I think you summed it up well. And Travis Shaw, I mean, if Brewers can get a player like Travis Shaw, especially the first time around Travis Shaw with the Brewers would be <laughs> phenomenal um, because even if Alex Benellis hits say 250 but it's hitting close to 30 home runs I think anyone would take that yeah and the Brewers I don't think are necessarily expecting to get uh, high average kind of a guy who competes for a triple crown I know that's rare but someone who's leader or close to leading in all those categories. I don't think the Brewers are expecting that. I think they're expecting a guy who's going to hit 250 to 260 and hit a bunch of home runs. And hopefully when he does get out, it's not just all by strikeout. Hopefully he's still putting the ball in play. So I think, no, Travis Shaw is a good comparison. I think the Brewers would be thrilled if they got that out of Benellis. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of fans are maybe a little bit sour on Shaw right now just because just because of the batting average. But I mean, really, 2017, 2018, that was a really good player uh, for them. He was he was a three, four win above replacement player. And if you can develop that homegrown, have that for at least six years. And I mean, since he grew up around here, you know, if things are going well, I'm sure he'd love to stick around. Uh, but we're getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves here. Uh, but I mean, that that's something that I mean, you, especially in the third round. Uh, you really can't complain about that at all. No, and I mean, even if you slide them over to first base, let's say the, the Brewers have been, it's been a revolving door at that position since. Yeah. So even if you can get a guy who's going to be a solid contributor for five, six years, like you mentioned, that's a win. And I mean, Travis Shaw, yeah, he didn't hit for a high average this year until he got hurt, but he still was producing and maybe one of the Brewers better hitters when he was healthy early on this year. So yeah, Alec, Alex Benellis definitely has a lot of upside, definitely some risk with him. But I like the direction the Brewers went because, again, as we've talked about, he could have easily been a first-round pick. And if it wasn't for his first month of the season when he hit 155 with one home run, didn't really show great plate discipline, he still probably would have been a 
well, late first, early second round pick. So, um, yeah, great value for the Brewers here in the third round with Benellis. Yeah, exactly. And and after that first month, Benellis hit 282 with yeah. with 18 home runs. So, I mean, that's that's a really good hitter and, and something that, that you'll definitely take. Uh, I want to switch over to the pitching now. Um, they, they got a couple of pitchers there early on, starting in the second round here. Russell Smith out of TCU, uh, big guy, six foot nine, uh, projectable, some might say. Um, maybe maybe a little bit less polish uh, on him, but I, I think this is someone that I mean, it, it seemed like a little bit of an underslot, but this is someone that with the Brewers' advanced pitching development program they could possibly turn into a stud. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I thought Russell Smith kind of came off the board probably a couple rounds early. But like you mentioned, I think he's going to be an underslot guy. Pick value is $1.44 million, so I don't see him getting that kind of money. What worries me is just his age and the fact that he's 6'9 and only throwing low to mid-90s. But I think if the Brewers can kind of make sure his delivery's all in sync and maybe add a few ticks to that fastball velocity. He at least could be a bullpen piece for them, if not maybe a number four, number five starter. So there's definitely a lot to kind of play around with and develop. So I don't fault them for taking a chance on Russell Smith, who definitely was a guy who out of high school was well-regarded. So um, yeah, the Brewers, it's funny to talk about the Brewers as being a team that can develop pitching, but with <laughs> what they've done lately over the last three, four years in developing Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, I, I don't fault them for taking a pitcher, and hopefully they can have another guy that they develop into at least a quality pitcher, whether that's a bullpen piece or a back end of the rotation starter. Yeah, and that's something that, I mean, for 45 years, we weren't really able to say about the Brewers, about, about developing pitching. Uh, but, yeah, the, like there's a good foundation to work with, with with Russell Smith. And, you know, from from what it looks like from the scouting reports is that he does keep his delivery in sync relatively well for a six foot nine guy. And he's already got really strong command. Um, so if you already got the I mean, command is the, is the toughest thing to teach for a pitcher. Um, so if you, if he's already got that, if you can just add some of that velocity, you're able to shape those uh, secondary pitches a little bit better. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot to, to bring out of that guy. Yeah. His biggest kind of issue right now is the lack of a true breaking pitch. His changeup is probably above average, but he definitely needs to be more consistent with that slider. It has to be a swing and miss pitch and he has to be able to locate it well, which he's done with his other two pitches. Um, in the strike zone to de- generate those swings and misses. So like you said, a great foundation is just a matter now of developing the pitcher and seeing what you can get out of him here in a few years. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's really just kind of depending on their, on their development program for that. Um, and then in the fourth round, uh, Logan Henderson out of uh, McClendon community college. Um, this is continuing another trend for the brewers. They love like you can almost just look at the JUCO leaderboards and you can find a Brewers draft pick going, going back a couple of years. So you, you just look at the JUCO strikeout leaders and you will find the next Brewers fourth round pick or the, or the second round pick um, in 2018, who led all of JUCO in strikeouts and strikeouts per nine. That would be Aaron Ashby. 
Brewers' fourth-round pick, 2018. 2019, who led Juco in strikeouts per nine? Antoine Kelly, Brewers' second-round pick. And in 2021, who led Juco in strikeouts and strikeouts per nine? Logan Henderson, Brewers' fourth-round pick. So this seems to be a trend, Dan. Yeah, it definitely is. And talk about Russell Smith. He he isn't a typical Brewers pitching pick, but Logan Henderson definitely is. From being a guy who's 5'11", 195 pounds, definitely a lot more projection left there. I think the Brewers definitely could tap tap into him and get a lot more out of him because right now his best pitch is his above average changeup, which is for a college guy pitching at the junior college level, that's that's good. You want the changeup to be there. It has solid movement. It's good analytically. And it's really about with Henderson just developing his fastball more, trying to increase that fastball velocity to get consistently hitting 95 instead of being more low 90s, hitting 95 on occasion. And then also his curveball, he throws it um, with really good shape, maybe could have a little bit more power, but just needs a little bit more consistency. But the Brewers, like you have mentioned, have had success developing these kind of raw Juco guys. And I don't see why Logan Henderson can at least be a relief pitcher at the major league level, but I think he definitely has all the tools to be a starting pitcher at the major league level. And with the Brewers development system, with the emphasis they put on analytics, Logan Henderson kind of matches all of that. And I think this could definitely turn into one of the Brewers better picks that they've made, especially through their first four rounds, if they're able to develop him and just help him kind of develop his three pitch mix. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, even if you add, you know, another pitch in there, potentially, I mean, you, you could have that. Um, I think if if I recall um, correctly, looking at uh, this dude and his stuff, I think I made at least the internal comp somewhat to uh, Freddie Peralta, just because, you know, shorter right handed guy, um, you know, doesn't have like the big velocity. But, you know, it plays up due to deception, high spin rates, you know, a little, little bit of run or, or rise um, and something that, you know, the Brewers can kind of really, you know, a raw product that the Brewers can develop into uh, something really good. Do, do you think that's a, a fair comp? Yeah, that is. And I think what stands about out about Henderson is that he is athletic. He does throw strikes and he has deception with that short arm action. So for an undersized guy, that's really all you want in him. Now it's just a matter of getting the most out of him. And if they're able to do what they did with Freddie Peralta and turn him into a pitcher, not necessarily just a thrower guy who only maybe threw two pitches for a while to a guy who can consistently throw at least three pitches, I think they could have something promising on their hands. Yeah, the, the Brewers and fourth-round pitchers, it, it's almost like the Green Bay Packers and second-round wide receivers. Like, it, it's just, like, something that they have, something they keep on doing. I mean, uh, Henderson now, Aaron Ashby before, Corbin Burns before that. Um, the, I mean, they're taking these guys who have some reliever risk to them because, um, I mean, if they're falling to the fourth round, they're going to have a little bit of that. Um, they're taking some reliever risk to them. And turning him into, you know, legitimate uh, starting pitchers, and in the case of Corbin Burns, legitimate Cy Young uh, contenders. Yeah, and like we've talked about already, it's 
it's funny talking about the Brewers and developing pitchers, but frankly, with the amount of success they've had over the last three, four, five years, I don't want to doubt them at all. And uh, <laughs> I think they know what they're doing when it comes to selecting pitchers later on in the draft when it's not – they obviously haven't taken a pitcher really in the first round besides Ethan Small in a while. Yeah. Um, the Brewers obviously know what they're doing when it comes to kind of maybe finding these, I don't want to say diamond in the rough type players because he was, Logan Henderson was a fourth round pick, but he is a guy that wasn't highly rated on everyone's board just because of his size, his fastball velocity, and a few other just minor knocks with his game. So the Brewers could have something here. And again, we'll see what their pitching development does. That's going to be huge if they can develop either Smith or Henderson in this draft. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, I've kind of, like, looked at, too, like, you know, across the league, where when it comes to hitters, a lot of them are first and second round picks, or at least the, you know, the, the domestic ones. A lot of them first and second round picks. A lot, of the, a lot of the best pitchers are not necessarily first and second rounders. I mean, you find guys in the, in the fourth round. Uh, Jacob DeGrom was a ninth rounder. Brandon Woodruff, 11th round. Shane Bieber, fourth round. Um, you can find really good pitchers later on throughout the draft. And, and, I mean, you can take guys and you can develop them into much better pitchers. I mean, you can, you know, a guy doesn't have a good curveball. You can give him a good curveball. You like, you can help him shape it. You can add tools to the arsenal. For hitters, you can't really do that as much. You know, like, it, it's very difficult to to take a non-contact guy and turn him into a contact guy. You, you can't take a guy with no speed and turn him into a guy with speed, you know? Yeah, no, that's spot on, especially because for a hitter, at the end of the day, whether you change his stance or you change his swing path or anything, he's got to hit the ball. But for mm-hmm. pitchers are so in control that if you do make a few tweaks, a few mechanical adjustments, add a pitch, take away a pitch that wasn't working in college, um, you definitely could have something on your hands. And that's why, for me personally, I always prefer going hitter early on in the draft because even though not all the guys are going to pan out, there's just definitely a higher percentage throughout history of hitters having more success who are early round picks. And with pitchers, it seems like you can, you can get those guys, but also there's more risk with them involved. I mean, one arm injury for a first round pitcher could end his career or definitely alter his career Mm -hmm. kind of his outlook so yeah i don't mind the brewers kind of stocking up on pitchers or taking pitchers after the first couple rounds because they've had success with it and overall throughout baseball teams have had success developing their arms that were later round picks yeah I, i think the ethan small selection gave me a little bit too much hope that the brewers would end up going with a first round pitcher again i just i'm just not gonna see it happening anymore i'm just gonna be like you know what they're just gonna they're just going to take whatever hitters on the board. I'm, I'm just going to start looking at second and third round pitchers because they're not even going to bother anymore. And I mean, really, when you look at the David Stearns era, pretty much all their early picks on hitters, it's who has the best hit tool available on the board. Yeah, that's completely accurate. And it seems like when the Brewers are linked to pitchers, they never go pitchers. And Ethan Small, I think, was the exception. If I had to guess, it's probably because of his floor. He was kind of a higher floor guy, and they've been able to kind of untap a little bit 
from him as well and kind of take him to the next level as a prospect. But the Brewers definitely have that model of up-the-middle position player who can hit, who doesn't necessarily strike out a bunch in college and just is a well-rounded player. And I don't fault him for that. I think um, if you're just drafting guys who are power hitters and don't have that hit tool, that's really can be a risky demographic to go down, especially if you're doing that year in and year out. So, um, no, I like the Brewers model for when it comes to the draft. And I think over the last couple of years, while Mitchell and Terang necessarily haven't gotten to the major league level, it's, it's looking like it's going to work. But again, you have to get these guys to the major league level before you can really see kind of the fruits of your labor. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in recent years, I mean, we talked about Corey Ray. That one hasn't quite worked out. Um, but, I mean, Keston here, a best hit tool um, that, that there was. And it worked out for 2019. Uh, still trying to get things figured out. Um, but, yeah, that like that's just going to be uh, kind of more the, the model. And, um, I mean, when it comes to, like, if you're drafting in the first round a power hitter, like a lot of times if you're going that early, you also are going to have a pretty at least solid hit tool if you're going in the first round as a power hitter. Yeah, I mean, you look at Kesson Hira, and I remember talking to a scout leading up to that draft, and he told me Kesson Hira could either be a guy who hits 330 and hits a lot of doubles, or he could be maybe a 270 hitter who hits a lot of home runs. And for whatever reason, Kesson Hira, I think, has tried to kind of go more the home run hitter type instead of being just that double machine. And I, I think the Brewers still have something in Kesson here. It's just a matter of will he produce quickly and in, in enough time for the Brewers to kind of continue to give him chances. So Corey Ray, he was just simply a guy who didn't work out. I don't know whatever really happened. Yeah. His hit tool. He was a five tool guy coming out of Louisville and he really just never showed that. He did get banged up a little early on in his pro career, and I don't know if it was a confidence deal or what, but he just turned into a home run or bust, high strikeout guy. So he's definitely in the minority of the Brewers' prospects lately, but um, we'll see what happens with Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, and a few others that are going to be only a few years away. Yeah, and I mean that that top of the 2016 draft class really doesn't even look all that strong either. Um, and, and yeah, when it comes to those power hitters, I mean, finding a guy like Prince Fielder uh, who can hit for both average and power is uh, pretty rare. Um, I want to get to a couple of the other uh, college draft picks here on day two. Ethan Murray, uh, the shortstop out of Duke. I, I saw, you know, he's possibly more uh, of a utility guy going forward. Do, do you think he can be a, a starting shortstop down the road or, or what are your thoughts on Ethan Murray? Ethan Murray is an interesting pick. I saw him play when Duke was at Notre Dame early this spring and Ethan Murray frankly didn't really jump off the page to me I know it was only one game but defensively I think he can handle shortstop I think he's got enough speed I think his range is good enough and he definitely has the arm strength to handle the position what worries me is the bat he just he doesn't impact the baseball at a high enough percentage for me to be a guy who I think could produce at the major level. I think a utility player is probably his best bet, and hopefully he can kind of figure it out and maybe a few tweaks to his swing and just more maturing um, to his body, adding a little bit more strength can allow him to kind of drive the ball 
at a better clip into the gaps. But to me, I don't see Ethan Murray being a starter. We'll see if the Brewers can develop him, but I think his best-case scenario is probably a utility guy who can play second, third, or short. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with being a utility guy. I mean, the you know every team always always needs a guy like that, um, and I think the Brewers are always on the look for the next Aaron Perez um, for sure. Uh, another guy on day two that really kind of caught my attention, uh, Wes Clark, the uh, first baseman slash catcher apparently out of South Carolina. Uh, I know he played mostly first base over there, but he has some experience at catcher in the past. The Brewers announced him as a catcher uh what are your thoughts on on west clark uh sticking behind the plate long term uh and, and what he brings to the table with his bat yeah i mean defensively 6'2 236 i don't think he's 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 fine athletically to play first base i don't know if he's quick enough or if he can really just handle catcher long term it's kind of funny because last year they did that. The Brewers selected um, Xavier Warner in the draft, and he was a guy who played more third base, second base, more just a infield position. And they announced him as a catcher, which was his high school position. And so I don't know what it is with the Brewers and wanting to kind of move guys back to behind the plate. I don't see it with, with Wes Clark. I mean, I think he's an interesting pick because of the power he showed this year he definitely got off to a hot start and cooled off a little bit as the season went on and um he's gonna have to hit breaking pitches that's something he sometimes struggled with at South Carolina so if it was me I would more just develop Wes Clark as an offensive player and put him at first base and really try to at least get something out of him I think moving him to catcher and then also trying to kind of work with him offensively because he definitely does have some holes in his offensive game. I think might be just too much to ask of him. So I don't see him sticking at catcher. And frankly, I think the Brewers should just start him off at first base anyways. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, your, your um, scouting part of him kind of reminds me a little bit of Pedro Serrano just kind of needs to hit the breaking ball a little more. He crushes the fastball 23 homers uh, this season for South Carolina um, but yeah, I got it. Got to hit those breaking balls. If you can't do that, look what happened to Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, he's hitting a buck 50 for most of the season because he couldn't hit a slider, couldn't hit a curveball. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's someone, I mean, big power. And I mean, it, it's certainly a power overhead profile. So it's like, that's kind of more of a, a first base type anyways, rather than uh, a catcher. But the Brewers also, not only do they love their pitching development uh, program, they love their catching development with uh, Charlie Green as a, as a catching coordinator, just kind of teaching guys how to catch. They did the same thing with Thomas Dillard a couple years ago um, out of Ole Miss. They're, they tried to turn him into a catcher. Now he's more of a first baseman, can play some outfield, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, they, they should they should probably put him out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't fault them for trying to get more value out of a guy, but... Yeah, I just think it might be too much to ask for a guy who's, again, needs to develop his offensive game, especially at the pro level where the pitching's a lot better than it is in college. So, um, yeah, the Brewers have done a great job developing catchers, but sometimes I think you just need to put a guy where it's a safer bet, which is first base for Wes Clark. Yeah, for sure. All right, and that was all college guys there on day one and two. A continuing string, they had all college guys uh, in the 2020 draft. 
Uh, so they had gone college guys for a long time. It's it's just like, are they going to go high schoolers ever again? Um, and then on day three, they did. They went with a bunch of high schoolers there. They started off with four high school picks. Um, and I want to uh, talk uh, for sure about the first one, Rock Riggio, um, in the 11th round out of Thousand Oaks High School. This is a guy who, talent-wise, was probably a second or third round talent. Um, I had seen in a number of places. Um, committed, committed to Oklahoma State. Really talented player. Uh, potentially a second baseman or maybe an outfielder at the next level. Um, do you think Rock Riggio signs with the Brewers? Yeah, I would put it, if it's not 100%, 99%. I don't think the Brewers take Riggio here in the 11th round if he wasn't going to sign. And I think with the some of the picks the Brewers made in the first 10 rounds, I think they're going to save plenty of money on some of those guys. So I think Riggio at least is going to get signed and maybe a couple – of the other high school kids. Um, but Riggio is definitely an exciting player. Like you mentioned, he was a guy who I thought would go in the second or third round if his signability wasn't a concern. And he ended up falling to the Brewers to the 11th round because of kind of that signability. And he's also a little bit more of a polished high school player compared to some of the other guys, obviously in this year's draft doesn't necessarily maybe have the major mega upside. Some prep players do coming out of high school, but I think he has, all the tools to be just a consistent producer at the major league level someday. A left-handed hitter who does have a track record of hitting well against premium prep arms for the most part throughout his high school career. And he just he's a guy who consistently squares up the baseball. He doesn't have a lot of holes in his swing, doesn't strike out really a ton. And I think this could end up being a really good pick for the Brewers because they're going to get a guy who's, like we said, a second or third round pick in the 11th round to go along with Benellis, with Freelick, and Black as well. So um, I really like the pick of Rock Riggio, and I think he definitely is a guy who can stick in the outfield, maybe center field, maybe a corner, but I think he definitely has all the tools to be kind of an offensive-minded player regardless of if he's at second or the outfield. Yeah, for sure. I, I really like the pick. You know, I saw it's like, OK, they went all college guys. And especially we, we talk about, you know, Russell Smith being an underslot guy. That's where I think they're probably going to get most of the money to pay Riggio. Because, um, I mean, he's probably, you know, Riggio, like, like we said, kind of more of a second round uh, talent. Um, so, I mean, that's, I, I think, uh, some that I think they'll be able to do. I'm glad to, to hear you say that they're likely to sign him. Um and, yeah, really great pick. Um, and this is someone that, I mean, the Brewers have said that they've been on for a while. This is a guy who's been on their area code games teams, um, which is, you know, big showcase. And looking back, the Brewers have drafted someone from each of their area code games rosters every year going back to 2005. 2005 was the last roster I could find where they did not draft a single player from it. Um, so if you want to find... Who could be a potential Brewers pick? Look at the area code games roster. Yeah, I mean, and not only is the area code games for the players, but it's also for the teams to scout. And uh, the Brewers have shown they they do get a good look at their guys that are on their team. And Rock Riggio, like you said, they have a lot of experience going back even a couple of years with Riggio. So that's what makes me feel like they will sign him because they know the player, they know the person. If they didn't have confidence that they were going to sign him. I don't think they would have selected him at this point. I think they would have waited till 
15th or later to select him if they figured he was probably going to go to college anyways. So I think this is going to be a good pick for the Brewers. And I think he's kind of, I don't want to say he reminds me of Bryce Terang, but Bryce Terang was kind of a more higher floor prep guy who produced against premium high school pitching, definitely maybe had a few knocks on him defensively and is a guy who's kind of offensive minded. I think Bryce Trang's a little bit more solid defensively, but I think Reggio definitely could be a really good pick for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you were making a, a Brewers prospect list and, and he signs, where would you put him? Would you put him in the top 30? Where, where, where would you put him? Oh, he would be for sure in the top 30. Um, I'd maybe put him in even in the top 10, frankly. I mean, I think, Oh, I think black Freelick, <laughs> granted black and Freelick will get put in the top 10. So it could push a few guys down, but top 10, top 15 for sure. I mean, I think you could put him right around kind of the Tristan Lutz. I think he's better than Xavier Warner as well. And I'm not really a high on Freddie Zamora. So Frankly, to me, Riggio is a better prospect than Zamora. So I think you could easily make a case that he's a top 15 guy. And I I don't think he'd be wrong necessarily if you said he's in your top 10 either. Wow. So that's that's high price there for, for Riggio. So um, it, it's certainly someone that uh, they, they could be looking to sign. And I, I really like him. I, I think it's going to be uh, a really good pick. They got some other high upside uh, prep dudes. Caden uh, Vyer. Uh, a high school lefty, uh, very projectable, six foot six and like 170 pounds or something. I think I saw him listed as. So uh, got to fill out a little bit more, but very projectable. Yeah, I've seen him at once listed as 170. I've seen him listed at 185, 190. But either way, six six, below 200. There's definitely a lot of room to still add strength, and I'm really hoping they can sign him. Because if they can get Riggio and him, I think that's a pretty good draft class for the Brewers to go along with Black and Freelick. He's a guy who's got the size, ton of projection left. And his velo was only high 80s, touching low 90s. So I think the Brewers, with their development system, with his size and projection left, easily could be a guy throwing in the mid-90s. And again, he's a guy committed to Arizona State. So to me... If it's me running a draft, I don't take a guy in the 12th round if I don't think I can sign him. Mm-hmm. But Brewers might feel differently. But I think there's a good chance they still sign him as well. Yeah, it's someone that I, I, I totally agree with you. If they can get him, uh, that'd be great. But, I mean, you're going to be patient with him. It's going to take a while. This is not going to be a, a quick to the big leagues uh, selection. Uh, he, he's going he's gonna to have a ways to go. Um, and then a, a couple other uh, high school picks here in the 13th and 14th rounds. Quentin Lowe announced as a two-way player, uh, right-handed pitcher, also very tall guy, six foot six. Uh, and as a hitter, he's a first baseman uh, with plenty of raw power, from what I've heard. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because he's out of the prep ranks, a guy who's a two-way guy, and you don't really ever see high school guys who – are a pitcher and a first baseman, especially guys who are drafted um, this, I don't want to say early in the draft, but it still is a 13th round. So um, Quentin Lowe, he's going to be an interesting guy. It sounds like the Brewers 
view him more as a first baseman. I know they drafted him as a two-way guy, but it seems like they favor him a little bit more at first base. And he definitely has the size. I mean, 6'6", 215. I think there's definitely plenty of room for him to add power as he matures more. And hopefully he's also a guy who um, is able to hit a little bit as well. He's not going to give you a huge average, but I think he can be a guy who can at least – be a consistent hitter and square up baseballs and not be someone who's striking out a ton. And he has athleticism as well, obviously, because he was a pitcher. And so I think this is a good pick. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if the Brewers can sign him, but this is the first year of the 20 round draft. So things are a little bit different. Minor league systems are a little bit smaller than they were in previous years. So it's going to be interesting just to see too, how teams handle the guys from 10 to 20 and how many of them, they are able to sign. But I think the Brewers, with taking seven prep guys, I think they probably plan on signing at least three, maybe four of them. Otherwise, I think they probably would have just gone kind of the college route or taken even maybe guys who are less likely to even sign as well as more of a courtesy pick later on in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, they might have had a couple of those uh, later on here. But I mean, with, with Lowe and then Avena, I mean, the, those four guys to start off day three. Um, you know, if they're starting off with those four, I'm assuming that those are guys that they really kind of want to go with and want to sign. So what would you say the odds are that they sign all four of, of their guys from the 11th through, through the 14th round rock Riggio, Caden Byer, Quentin Lowe, and Jay Savino. What Jay Savino, what do you think the odds are? It might be a little bit of a cop out, but I think 75%, I think, they're going to at least sign three of these guys, and Lower Avina might think college is a better route. But again, for Lowe's sake, he probably profiles better as a first baseman, anyways. So even if you do go to college, I know first basemen have been drafted early in the past. I mean, Spencer Torkelson went first overall last year to the Tigers, but rarely do you see a first baseman go in the first and sometimes even second round. So if the Brewers can give Lowe a decent signing bonus, I don't know what that is, if it's $500,000 or what, that might be enough to entice him. But I think they at least signed three of these four guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the first round first baseman, You've got to be like a unicorn, essentially, to to have that kind of a thing. Because, I mean, you got to have both the hit and the power uh, to be able to do that. You know, Torkelson has that. Um, Prince Fielder had that. Uh, Andrew Vaughn had that. So it's it, it's very tough to do. Um, so, yeah, that, that certainly could be an interesting thought for Lowe. Um, and then kind of going down towards the end, a couple more prep guys, Will Rogers, uh, the catcher out of Minnesota, um, and then Carter Holton, who the day before announced, hey, I'm going to Vandy. Um, I, I think that was kind of more, as you mentioned earlier, kind of a, hey, uh, we still like you, even though we know you're not going to sign pick. Yeah, I mean, I love Carter Holton as a prospect. Frankly, I was surprised he wasn't higher on a lot of teams draft boards because he's a guy with talking to all these players I did that a lot of the prep players in the 2021 class said Carter Holton was the hardest pitcher to hit on a summer showcase circuit last year he's not the biggest guy at 5'11 195 pounds his fastball velocity sits kind of more low 90s hits 95 96 
But he has deception in his delivery, and he's just a guy who gets out. And for an analytically driven team, he kind of meets that mold as well. So I know he announced he's going to Vanderbilt, and I think that's very likely that happens. But I think the Brewers not only took him as a courtesy necessarily, but also if they don't say sign a guy like a Riggio where they're planning on putting a lot of money into, they're going to take a run at someone else, and Carter Holton would be the ideal guy and one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's it certainly seems like a, a backup plan um, for all that uh, extra cap savings or, or bonus pool savings. Um, so that that's something that I, I think could be uh, pretty exciting. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that. I think the deadline is August 1st um, to get these guys signed. Uh, but then in the 20th round, perhaps the most interesting uh, pick in the draft, Samuel Mendez out of Cisco Junior College in Texas, six foot seven, um, and and also pretty pretty light. I, I think at you know 190 some pounds. And I look, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a projectable guy. He's 28 years old. He's the oldest drafted player we've seen in the MLB draft. I mean, what what do you th- with Samuel Mendez? Is this like a you know fairly you know polished dude that's just going to you know move quickly if his stuff plays you could put him in the big league soon or, or what are we getting here yeah that's interesting because age alone they must not have they must not have wanted to risk letting him go to the undrafted free agency process because mm-hmm. uh you don't see a guy 28 years old get drafted but for the brewer's sake he's a guy who i think they would like to move quickly now he's got to develop his pitches a little bit more he's at this age, he's a reliever. Uh, there's no way kind of around it. I think the Brewers are hoping that maybe a year in their system, they're hopefully maybe hitting kind of a lottery ticket and can have him in the big leagues sooner than later. But there's definitely work that Mendez has to do in order to get kind of polished and just be a major league pitcher. He was only a, he was at Cisco Junior College, which is a good program, but it's a big difference between junior college level talent and major league level talent. So Brewers definitely have some work to do, but I think in the 20th round for a guy that maybe would have been an undrafted free agent worth drafting him to ensure you get him, And then hopefully their pitching development program can develop him and turn him into a quality back end of the bullpen type piece. Yeah. It kind of seems more in the mold of the, the Justin Topa, uh, and Jake Cousins type acquisition where it's like, and okay, like, I mean, I know those guys were like independent ball, but it's like they're older. Um, they've got some pretty good stuff, some good stuff to work with. Um, and it just kind of, you know, gets them in a uh, reliever potential, just get them like a year or so in the system. Next thing you know, uh, you bring them up to the big leagues and, you know, they're, they're throwing wipeout sliders and just, you know, making, you know, guys like Joey Votto just look completely silly um, and, and it's something like that, that that can happen. So it's like, hey, it's worth a shot. You always need relievers, and, and why not try for a six foot seven one? Yeah, I mean, he definitely has kind of that mold. Now, I know, I think the Brewers kind of prefer, I don't want to say the Brewers prefer smaller pitchers because they definitely have some bigger pitchers, but a lot more teams these days prefer kind of smaller guys just because it's easier to make sure their mechanics are all in sync when guys are six seven, six eight, six nine. A lot more moving parts, but I think Mendez, he's kind of raw still, and 
like we've talked about, the Brewers pitching development knows what they're doing. If they can add a quality secondary pitch to his mix to go along with his fastball, they could have something in them. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's it's always good to find talent really at any point. And yeah, I can I can be a testament to the uh, six foot eight guys having to keep their stuff in sync. It was it was very difficult, and that is why I am now recording a podcast instead of actually still playing. <laughs> Um, yeah, even, even being left-handed that can't save you so much from first of all, your mechanics, not being consistently in sync. And second of all, topping out at 78 miles an hour. That doesn't help you when it comes to a a prospect. Uh, I'll just tell you that right now. But, uh, yeah, if you could throw 98, yeah, you'll get some calls. Yeah. And I, what I think about is interesting about Mendez is he originally played semi-pro baseball or basketball, excuse me, in the Dominican Republic. So you know he has the athleticism. He's got that mid-90s fastball that at least is a starting point. And the Brewers have shown an ability to help guys develop a breaking pitch. So um, definitely raw. It'll be interesting to see kind of what their time frame is with him because at his age, how many years are you going to give him? Are you going to give him? four years and be okay if he comes up at 31 or 32 years old and is a quality bullpen piece for a couple of years. I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to kind of watch how they handle Mendez and what their development kind of schedule is with him. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a 20th round pick, you know, at 28 years old at junior college, I doubt they're going to get much more than a, a $20,000 signing bonus. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're going to throw too much into him, um, but I mean, give him a year or two, just kind of see, you know, if he's kind of progressing well, um, kind of similar to what they did with cousins and, and Topa, like Topa, they signed, he was in the system for 2019. And then they just kind of had him at the alternate training site in 2020. Then they just called him up because he, he was doing well there. So it's, um, you know, just, just kind of something like that. Um, okay. So overall on the draft class, uh, what, what are your thoughts overall? The, the 21 selections uh, that they made, uh, what, what are your kind of thoughts on this draft class as a whole? Yeah, overall, it was kind of just a typical Brewers draft. They didn't take a ton of high upside guys early, but they took guys who are consistent performers and well-rounded players. And for the Brewers, that's kind of the, been their MO over the last couple of years is not always going for high ceiling, but high floor with guys who analytically look good and also um, have success against premium pitching or premium talent, whether that's high school or college. So I think overall it was a good draft. I think this draft is really going to be dictated on Freelich, Black, and Riggio. And if Riggio doesn't sign, it's going to be really dictated on Freelich and Black. I mean, Benellis, we've talked a lot about him. Obviously he's a guy who has the talent to produce, but he is a guy who's a corner infielder, third round pick, power over average. So this draft class is all going to come down to Freelich and Black and how those two guys pan out. But I think with what the Brewers did on day three, they have a chance to add three, maybe four, maybe five prep guys who have some higher upside too to kind of supplement some of uh, the high floor guys they took early on. Yeah, for sure. And I mean – with the with the pitchers especially, it's kind of more of a you know depend on development, you know not as much on the polish, not as much on the high upside guys. It's just kind of depending on that. Um, but yeah, definitely the 
um, the anchors, uh, I guess, of, of this class. It, it's going to be Freelick, Black, um, and then, you know, Riggio leading the way with, with the with the high school guys. So um, they got some good stuff. It, it was good, you know, well-rounded um, draft, you know, good mix of college guys and high schoolers, good mix of hitters and pitchers. Um, and that's, it almost seemed like a rarity in this draft. I mean, you look at some of the teams like, uh, like the angels, they want all college pitchers, which I mean, great. They need it, but it is very rare to see a draft of entirely college pitchers. That, that was insane to watch. Yeah, and especially with the Angels, they haven't really developed pitching for a long time. If yeah, some of these guys got a hit, right? Like, <laughs> would think, but that so that's why I don't mind the Brewers going with up the middle position players because historically the Brewers haven't developed pitching. Now I know they have in the last five years, but the Brewers have had more success with with position players kind of over the franchise's history even over the last 10 years where a lot of these guys even though there's been some turnover in the front office a lot of the same kind of player development or front office people there's still some guys that have been there for 10 plus years so it doesn't surprise me that they went position player high floor type guys because that's just what they've done over the last few years and it's for the most part, worked. There's obviously going to be misses, but the Brewers have had success with their drafting philosophy, so I don't fault them. And I think this draft class easily has a chance to be a really good draft class in five, six years when we look back on it. Yeah, for sure. All right, one one final thing. I just kind of uh, want to have a little uh, quick note here. Um, when it comes to to Freelich, uh, you mentioned kind of being a uh, you know true center fielder that can stay there going forward. Uh, with Garrett Mitchell kind of already kind of also having that role and being ahead of him in the system, uh, how would that work with with both of them? Would one of them move off, you know, into the corner, or, or what's going to happen there if if you end up with two of them being center field ready at the same time? That's that's a good question, and it's a question I've received a lot from Brewers fans or people associated around the game. But to me, it doesn't matter because. First, both guys have to develop. Both guys have to make it to the major leagues, and both then have to produce at the major league level. So I don't fault them for taking another outfielder. I think you take the best player available, and obviously for them, that was Freelich. But if we do get to that scenario where it's Freelich and Garrett Mitchell in the outfields, both guys can play all three outfield positions, so I don't think that's an issue. I think... Obviously, Yelich is locked up long term. I would probably put probably put Garrett Mitchell in right field over Freelich, but either of them can play that position. Freelich played right field in the pandemic shortened season. He played center field this year, got above average speed, so that's why I think I'd tend to lean towards him in center field over Mitchell, even though I think Mitchell definitely can handle it. But I think it's a good problem to have and see. <laughs> what they do. Um, they definitely need the outfielders because I mean, Garcia's contracts coming up. Mm-hmm. So what do they do with him? Lorenzo Cain definitely isn't getting any younger. Jackie Bradley hasn't panned out and do buy Tyrone Taylor as a stop starting outfielder at the major league level. That's something the Brewers have to figure out as well. So uh, there's definitely going to be some holes in their outfield over the next couple of years. So it's definitely a good problem to have. And worst case scenario if both guys end up being productive major league players, you trade one of them for maybe a corner 
position yeah. players, uh, all-star level type player or something yeah. like that. So it's definitely a good problem to have, and it'll all work itself out eventually. Yeah, that's that's kind of the same mindset, you know, Stearns has, has had. It's like, why are you drafting a guy we already got someone for? Well, you draft the, you know, draft the best guy. Like, we'll, we'll figure out the position later. Like, Kesson here is like, Kesson here is a terrible defender. We'll figure that out later. We're, we're drafting, we're drafting the bat. Well, and Freelich, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, he is a guy who came up as a high school shortstop, did get experience in the dirt throughout college, whether that was just in fall ball at Boston College or summer baseball. So, I mean, I think even though the Brewers view Freelich as a center fielder, he definitely has the athleticism, the arm strength to play second base. It would just be a matter of getting those reps at that position again on a daily basis. But I think Freelich could, I don't want to say easily play the position because it's a position he hasn't played consistently now in a couple of years, but I think he definitely has all the skills to play second if you would want to keep both Mitchell and Freelich and wouldn't have enough room in the outfield for both of them. Yeah, because keep in mind, you also got Hedbert Perez coming yep. screaming up through the system, stealing <laughs> an outfield spot. I love that guy. Have you have you you know looked at stuff on Hedbert? I love Hedbert. I haven't really much, frankly, no, but I know there's a lot of buzz around him, and he's only 18 years old, and it's going to be interesting to see because what I have read and video-wise watched of him, looks like he could be the real deal. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I don't know. He's got an exciting tool set, so it's going to be interesting to see. I don't see why he couldn't be one of the higher-rated Brewer prospects in a few years, in the next couple of years. Oh, he's already number two on my list. He, he's already number two behind Mitchell. Yeah, I, I got I mean, though, across baseball, I think he could be a top 20 prospect. in the next Oh, yeah. I, I think I think he's a five-tool guy, man. I mean, with, with the hit, the power, um, the speed, really strong defender, um, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I, he's hitting like 370 or something in the Arizona Complex League right now. You know, just, just a cool 370, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, God, just the smoothest swing. Anyways, um, Sorry, I'm I'm the conductor of the Hedbert Perez hype train, so I just kind of I just kind of go off on stuff like that. Um, but all right, thank you so much, Dan Zielinski the uh, third, for joining us here, MLB draft expert, um, for uh, joining us here. Dan, thanks so much, man, for for hopping on the pod and talking some draft. Thanks, David. It was great. It was fun talking Brewers and draft with you, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll definitely uh, try to have you on again for sure. Thanks so much, man. Um, all right, so that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, re- recapping all the stuff from the draft. Uh, we'll have a lot more coming up. Trade deadline is coming up uh, pretty soon here, so lots to talk about there next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.